When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stark to finish the over. England won to keep themselves in the series. And out through point it goes for four. What a mighty celebration from Mark Wood and Chris Wokes. When Wokes walked in, they needed 80 to win. The head had been cut off the stake with Stokes and Bairstow in quick succession. But what a shrewd selection it was bringing Wokes back into this side. 32 not out. He will be... The champion for England here, along with Harry Brook, they win by three wickets, and the Ashes are well and truly alive. Magic moments, as heard here on SCNZ, with ball-by-ball commentaries, and they will continue for the last two Test matches, of course, as well. We're joined this morning by Tim Wigmore. Now, Tim is a head writer for the Daily Telegraph. Uh, he's also published uh, some books, including an award-winning book, Cricket 2.0, Inside the T20 Revolution. Uh, Tim uh, will have uh, been witnessing scenes at uh, Headingley over the last uh, four days and uh, pretty good scenes as far as Auckland is concerned. Tim, good morning to you. Yeah, I think, um, okay, a lot of us, you know, um, fantastic first half of Test, but it would have been a, a real sense of shame if it had gone 3-0 to, to Australia. Um, I think England, you know, probably, they'd be... Australia probably deserved to be leading in this series, but three and after three tests would have been a bit of an unfair reflection. And I think um, for the buzz of the Ashes, obviously really good. It, it's kept alive and now all thoughts uh, begin to go to Manchester. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been a bit of a damp squib, you're right. Uh, I, I've got to say, uh, Tim, also I think the game needed it. I think the series needed it. After uh, the build-up and uh, the rigmarole after Lords, um, as they say, cricket, uh, and a very, very poor analogy here, cricket was the winner and, and great uh, to see it back on centre stage. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much built up of this Ashes series, all the talk of another 2005 or whatever, which seemed a bit too good to be true. But who knows, maybe we're now in, in the midst of that. Um, I think England, not only have they won, but actually they've won not playing a perfect game, which is another very good sign for them. You know, still aspects of their, their catching and their fielding a little bit a little bit sloppy and, and some of their shot selection as, as well, especially in the, the first inning. So actually, if I think they've won without playing a perfect game, should give them a, a lot of heart. They've got... got, got got room to improve and some questions for, for Australia now Right, let's uh, uh, let's look at to the finish of it because uh, Chris Wokes together uh, with Mark Wood at the end unlikely combination to win it with the bat you would have thought, but they did um, and how appropriate because they've added they just seem to add a new dimension to this uh, English side for this week anyway yeah, absolutely. So the two blokes who've come straight back into, into the team, having not really been involved uh, since Bakam took over as, as coach. In fact, for Wokes, it was his first test, but actually they both contributed so much in different ways. So Wokes is really, English in English conditions, he's just such a super bowler. You know, his line and length does a bit with the ball. I think he averages even less than Anderson Broad in England. So he keeps on doing a job. And then Wood, really, with pace like fire, it was just incredible seeing seeing how quick he was bowling. And a guy like Usman Khawaja has been in amazing form, just being bold and just 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 being for pace. You know that shows the value that Mark would bring. So in the first couple of tests, both teams bowled a lot of bounces of Australia. You know, having more 
more firepower, basically having the faster bowlers. Obviously, with Wood now, England have the fastest bowler on either side, which is quite a rare place for him to be in in Ashes series and whole new dimension. And the question is, does James Anderson get back for Old Trafford? Will he be able to bowl from the James Anderson end again in the Test match for England? Well, I guess one of the question marks there, uh, Woods, Wood and Wokes are undoubted, I think Broad's undoubted as well. The fitness of Ollie Robinson might be a way back in for Jimmy? Yeah, I think I think the question though is, yeah, Alison or, or Josh Tung, who actually bowled very well in the second test and was the first guy really to, to trouble Australia with the bouncers so far this series. Um, England like like they, they like him a lot and he's a bit quicker than, than Anderson, but I, I suspect they'll probably go back to Anderson for a you know, for what could be his last, his last, last test at his, his home ground, and in, you know what a man to bring back in where the Ashes still still at stake. And then, yeah, Australia haven't passed three hundred in the last three innings against England, so that imperious battle of a few questions. Uh, Mars Labuschagne really has actually had quite a poor series um, so far, which is which is a real positive for England as, as well. Um, and questions on Dave Warner, who keeps going out to Stuart, Stuart Broad again, twice in this match for four and one. So actually there's even some talk of him being replaced by by, uh, by Cameron Green, who, who was out of this test. So Australia actually suddenly the boots on their foot a little bit now. It is, absolutely it is. Um, one of the interesting things about this test match was really the non-appearance of spin at all, uh, to be honest. Uh, Mo and Ali picked up a couple of wickets uh, at one point there, Tim, but uh, I just wonder whether the uh, non-selection or non-availability of uh, Nathan Lyon uh, was a bit of a factor for Australia, uh, the lack of confidence in Todd Murphy, or was it just one of those test matches where you, you just don't factor spin in? No, I think there were moments when if Nathan Lyon had been available, he would have bowled, certainly. Um, and after Stokes got got after Murphy a little bit in the first innings, I think there were some fears about bowling him. Obviously, headingly, the boundaries are very, very small straight. And I think there were a few moments with Murphy when they could have given him a go. They just gave him two overs in the second innings, both in one over spells. So not really trusted. And so Australia... <laughs> Almost playing with, with 10 men. I think he bowled nine overs in the whole match. So, yeah, quite an odd situation there. Actually, Moen Ali, he did get rid of Smith and, and Labuschagne on day, on day two and actually was going a two and over, which is, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing. You, you wouldn't, you know, Murphy, he wouldn't be going a two and over against England. So that's, yeah, the fact that Australia could let Moen Ali actually bowl and, and sort of be very tight was quite a big factor because England was sort of, a, were a man down with Ollie Robinson and, they were able to kind of compensate for that through mowing bowling a, a long spell. Um, but yeah, Todd Murphy, I think, I think he'll carry on. He'll, he'll play again at Old Trafford where spin generally plays a, a bigger role, but England will go very, very hard for him. Um, and that will be a, a big test for him. The interesting thing uh, for me uh, is also about uh, Johnny Bairstow. Now, um, not, not delivering with the bat to the extent that uh, Brendan would want at this stage or Ben Stokes for that matter. And the keeping side of it is, um, I think it's fair to say, it's, it's, a, it's a step or two down from where, what Ben folks would uh, give them with. Uh, but Brendan and Ben Stokes have been very, very faithful throughout their tenure on this side. Is there an outside chance that um, folks for Bearstow, is there any possibility of that? 
I think that the chance of bringing in folks was probably when Oli Pope got injured after the second test, but they instead they chose to, to basically change the balance of the side. I think I'd be surprised if Bessa doesn't get the whole the whole series. But yeah, he's been disappointing so far. And actually, you, you're right to talk about how folks is a better keeper than, than Besto. But actually, they were basically hoping that Besto would return to his old levels for England, where he's generally been a pretty competent keeper. You know, hasn't actually dropped a lot of chances. But in fact, he's he's really not having a good series at all. He's actually been a long way below his previous level for England. Um, and then, yeah, and he's not done great with the bat. And it's got to the point where possibly his keeping is affecting his, his batting. And sometimes it does happen for, for keepers when one's going badly, that fills into the other. Um, so he actually had a... Actually, the, the very first day of the series, he got 78. Morning of day two, he called a brilliant one-handed catch. It was all going brilliantly. And since then, he's had a bit of a shocker. Um, and, and with Alex Carey, actually, he's generally had a very good series. So Australia are, are shading the, the back of the keepers so far. So, so far, definitely. Did you see signs that um, events had got to Alex Carey? I mean... He seems a relatively cool customer, but he was non-productive uh, with the bat this time round. His keeping was fine, but do you sense he felt it this Test match? Well, he was getting a lot of stick from the the Western Terrace at Headingley. There was a chant of "shoes off" if you hate Alex Carey. Everyone taking their shoes off, and and it was that. And then he was facing a spell of Mark Wood bowling absolute gas. Um, and actually, he, he was hit, and the ball after he was sort of backing away and ended up spooning a catch to cover in the first inning. So yeah, he was a little bit below his his previous best. So I think it maybe it, it did affect him as well, all the the talk and controversy of him. But um, it didn't work the other way for Bear. So you know, often with Bear, so there's a sense that if he's fired up, he produces his, his best form. And I think there were some hopes he would do that at Headingley, but in fact, he got out twice, and he's actually. Uh, I think he's now been out 11 times for Mitchell Stark in Test cricket. Um, so yeah. Stark, you know, he's become a bit of a bunny for Stark, which is a bit of a problem for England as, as well. Um, well, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't, don't don't kind of hold on to him for the rest of the series. They've kind of made their bed with the keeper. And I guess over a series, they would they'd say, well, he's going to drop a few more than folks, but we back him to play a couple of match-winning match winning innings. Um, and now is as good a time as any for those. Traditionally, uh, Tim, as we look forward to a, a bit of a, a nine-day break here, so the players will recharge the batteries a wee bit, then there's a very quick double-header to finish this series. Um, I, I just wonder what Old Trafford traditionally pro, uh, provides in terms of a test pitch. It's generally a very good good test wicket. It, it's got some pace and bounce and helps help spinners. So it's actually probably the generally the best test, test wicket in England in terms of bringing all facets of the game into play. Um, so it's certainly a ground where England will want to spin it. It's also a ground where Mark Wood's pace could be very, very important as, as a factor. So you want you basically want a, a balanced attack there. Um, so England again, they probably don't want to just go in with lots of lots of pace bowls at 80 miles an hour. They probably want a bit more, a bit more variety in their attack, which again might help when they're making their selection decision whether they want Josh Tongue and you have actually two pretty pacey guys. He's not as quick as Wood, but he is. He would still be the second fastest comfortably. Um, and then, yeah, I think Australia will definitely go in with a, with a spinner. And I think there'll be a recall for Josh Hazelwood probably instead of Scott Scott Boland. And we'll definitely see um, Mitchell Stark keeping his place, who's actually been a real asset so far this series. And to be fair to him, you know, he only played one test on the last Ashes tour here, but he's actually he's actually really developed his game and he's been fantastic so far since he's, he's come in. Um, so I think we'll see you'll see two or two attacks. There'll be plenty of of short pitch bowling as we've seen a feature of this whole series and. 
yeah, mm. it should also, it's a kind of ground where you can score quickly as well. So I don't think we'll see any sign of England backing down from basketball. You know, they're, they're committed to it now and it's kind of what's got them back into the series. You know, the, the fact they chased 251 off exactly 50 overs. Yeah, it speaks to that. You know, they said they wanted to treat it like a 50 over chase and that's exactly how it panned out. Yeah, it's an amazing brand of cricket that they're playing. And um, it's, uh, the win-loss, Baz, Baz uh, said from the outset, the draw is always off the table as far as they're concerned, and that is certainly proving to be uh, the case. Now, if just say, for instance, they don't go back to Jimmy Anderson. Just say, um, you know, this is it for Jimmy Anderson. Uh, or in all likelihood, he, he might then have played his last Test match. Where does he sit in terms of English cricket, Tim, when you look at the amount of Test matches for a quick bowler he has been able to rack up. Yeah, I think he, he's right up there, clearly. I mean, to get almost 700 wickets is an unbelievable effort. And I think, he, you know, any <laughs> since the average of, you know, since 35, he's got a couple of hundreds. So he's just kept on going, sort of our version of Richard Hadley, probably. Um, but he's, he's, you know, he's played more tests, probably because England played a lot more tests in New Zealand. Um, so he's just been phenomenal. And you think of him when he, Made his debut, which was in 2003. So two two decades ago, two, two, two decades ago, he would bowl. He would swing the ball a lot, bowl bowl at 90 miles an hour, but be very wayward. And he's completely changed his game. Really, he's, he's you know he's he's pared back his pace. He's actually become more of a seam bowler than a swing bowler. Um, but he's just mm. he's he's done it everywhere. He, you know, very good in Australia in 2010, 11 England one, and he's been fantastic in India on several occasions. So he's really. Um, there was always the attack on him earlier, earlier in his career that he needed the clouds that he'd become such an adaptable bowler, such a skillful bowler. And, and also, I think the fact that at a time of all the changes in the world game, he's been the guy who's who's been a, a test cricket guy, really. In fact, he hasn't played any white ball cricket since 2015. Um, and actually, yeah, maybe we won't see many of the, too many of those in the future just because of where the game's going. Absolutely right, Tom. Um, thanks very much for uh, staying up a bit later for us tonight. And uh, we... Do appreciate your uh, your summary of uh, magnificent performance by England to keep this Ashes series alive and what a series it's uh, been, what it promises to be. Tim, all the very best and uh, thanks again. Cheers, Matthew. Thanks.